Hey there! If you like true crime stories and you love being in the great outdoors, you have come to the right place. I'm Tara, your host. Welcome to Crime Off the Grid. Uh, welcome back to the Crime Off the Grid podcast. I'm Tara, and Abby's back with us as co-host today. Hi, Abby. Hello. Hi. <laughs> well, today, uh, we're going to go to Yellowstone National Park for this case. And since this is the first one we're talking about from Yellowstone, we, of course, have to briefly talk about why Yellowstone even became a park. Why did it become a park, Tara? <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, do you do you know the date that Yellowstone became a park, Abby? Uh, I don't know the date, uh, but the interweb is telling me it was 1872. Oh, yes. Well, okay. Yellowstone became a national park on March 1st, 1872, when President Ulysses S. Grant signed the Yellowstone National Park Protection Act into law, which protected more than 2 million acres of mountain wilderness, amazing geysers, in vibrant landscapes for future generations to enjoy, according to the National Park Service website. But half of the world's <laughs> half of the world's hydrothermal features are found in Yellowstone. And Yellowstone National Park preserves more than ten thousand hydrothermal features, which is an extraordinary collection of hot springs, mud pots, fumaroles, travertine terraces. And of course, geysers. And Yellowstone is also home to the largest concentration of mammals in the lower 48. So speaking of mammals, I have a very important question. Okay. At what elevation do elk turn into moose? <laughs> well, that <laughs> depends on when the deer turn into elk. <laughs> so you got to have one before the other. <laughs> um, that's a good one. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to call an interpreter for that one. <laughs> even though Yellowstone was often thought of as like untouched wilderness, indigenous people lived on the lands and waters for thousands of years long before the first explorers encountered Yellowstone. So I feel like that needs to be pointed out. There are at least 27 federally recognized native tribes that had connections to Yellowstone region that dated back a few thousand years. Also, I'm a little partial to Yellowstone because I've been fortunate enough to uh, get to live and work in this area for over 30 years. And I know you've been to Yellowstone as well. Yes, I have been to Yellowstone. Yeah, it's a pretty cool place. All right. So it is a cool place. It is. Um, don't come in July. Just a PSA. Don't come in July. Maybe don't come in early <laughs> August. Don't come at the end of June. Huh. <laughs> There's a lot of people here. Tell people not to come. No. Well, if you want to have a quality experience, those are not the times to come. All right. Like there's, a, there's a few national parks out there where peak season is not a good time. Exactly. Now on to our story. <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> I'm going to say uh, about this case, I was working in Yellowstone at the time of this incident, but uh, I was in a different district 50 miles away and Yellowstone's a huge park. So this is not something I responded to, but I did know the people involved in this, in investigating this. But we'll start uh, our story on July 28th, 2018, just after 10 p.m. And a long-term U.S. park ranger in Yellowstone just got off his shift. 
and he had put in a very long work day having started at seven o'clock that morning. And by the way, this is not unusual for Rangers to put in extremely long days, especially when it comes to responding to calls to keep public safe. Uh, would you agree with that one? That statement? Yes. Yeah. Yes, um, so we're going to refer to this uh, Ranger as Ranger G by initials because he still works as a law enforcement officer. So, so Ranger G took off his duty gear and had just gotten into bed when the phone rang at 1038 PM. And let me just say that anytime the phone would ring in my house at night, it was not usually something fun or someone fun or with happy news at all. <laughs> so uh, I, I'd say that's a pretty safe bet for any law enforcement officer. Uh, I'm sure you have yeah, experience when with that. dispatch calls you after hours, it's never good. No, it's never good. And of course it was dispatch calling and they were calling because they just received multiple 911 calls about an assault happening in the Mammoth Cabin bathroom area. And, and some of the lodging in different parts of the park, and probably many parks, consist of cabins that don't actually have their own bathrooms, which is similar to campgrounds, you know, that have community showers and restrooms. And this was in the Mammoth area. So uh, that is in the northern part of Yellowstone and that's where the headquarters of the park is and some you know it's a pretty cool place and Mammoth uh, is also the former site of Fort Yellowstone where the cavalry managed the park for about 30 years because Congress decided to create the park but didn't want to fund it which is actually hmm. similar to what they did with the Forest oh, service and and actually similar to what's going on today <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, Their Mammoth is pretty stores. cool. <laughs> right. And, and, and Mammoth is, is a, a really cool, you know, we call these uh, areas um, districts and uh, sub-districts. And Mammoth is like its own little town. And what what Abby was talking about, the Fort Yellowstone, I mean, they still have the, the, they still have the buildings from Fort Yellowstone. They're very historic. And we have Officers Row where the officers lived. Um, then there's tons of... Uh, the travertine terraces, also tons of elk hang out for some reason, giving birth and doing the thing that uh, causes them to give birth right there in front of all, <laughs> all the buildings for the public to see, which may have been where my boys learned about the birds and the bees uh, with the elk. I'm just There's saying. There's worse ways. <laughs> it's like every farm kid. They learn it early. Right, right. Uh, so anyway, Ranger G is rushing, you know, to get dressed and throw in his duty gear. And when he was talking to dispatch on the phone, he could hear screams from the other phone line of the dispatchers that were taking more 911 calls from people on scene. So, um, also not good. No, not good. So you're not excited about what you're going to. And he's getting called back after being on shift for so long because there's really nobody else to go. Yeah. And that's the kind of call where you don't get to make your coffee before you walk out the door, which is my no. least favorite kind of call. Right. You can't grab a snack, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. There's, um, there's no showering or making There's your no coffee. showering. <laughs> nope. Uh, I've even responded with my boots untied because I didn't take the time to tie my boots. It was such a quick call I had to rush to, which um, I eventually got there and got them tied. But I'm just saying sometimes <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those, oh, crap calls. Uh, when you're hearing yes, other people screaming. Yeah. Um, so anyway, when Ranger G arrived, he saw that there was a ranger that had beat him to the scene, actually. And she had a suspect handcuffed. 
and up against the outside wall of a cabin adjacent to the restrooms. And this dude that she had cuffed up against the wall was identified as Jackson Coombs, C-O-O-M-B-S. And there was blood on the wall where his head rested and blood all in his hair. So Ranger G was more of a superior officer. I guess he was what he was a permanent law enforcement ranger in Yellowstone and some other national parks have seasonal law enforcement officers as well. So he was the permanent officer that showed up. So he started the investigation process after he arrived. But from what he could tell when he got there, there were potentially two victims and the air was heavy with bear spray, which had been deployed in the bathroom. This incident started when two adult visitors, male and female, who were staying at the Mammoth Cabins, and we're going to only use their initials here to keep their information private. The female, MC, or her initials, goes into the women's side. And then as she enters, she sees a stall with the door closed and large cowboy boots that were pointed toward the wall instead of the door, which would indicate it might be a male. So uneasy, which I would be very uneasy if I saw that. MC goes into the far stall to use the restroom. And when before it's, she it's could, 1030 at night, right? So yeah, this is yeah. dark. It's it's dark there. I mean, it, in uh, July, again, you, you still can see the horizon. It's twilight, I guess. Is that the right word? Twilight? I think it's twilight dusk. morning. No, it's yes. dusk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she goes into the, to the tea restroom, but before she could exit from her closed locked stall door, cowboy boots guy begins pounding and beating on her door and busted his way in. This guy has toilet paper wrapped around his neck and lower face. So this guy, you know, is later identified as Coombs, began punching MC in the face and head and grabbed her lower jaw. She started screaming and fighting this guy who was actively assaulting her. She told the rangers that she tried to get under the partition of the next stall in an effort to get away from him attacking her. And it was at this time that her boyfriend, and we'll use the the initials WL, came in and confronted Coombs, which allowed her to escape. Yeah, I think uh, W.L. probably had some wrath to unleash on Coombs at this point. Uh, absolutely. Well, he, he told the I Rangers. I cannot imagine. Yeah. So he was leaving the well restroom. Well-justified wrath. <laughs> Well-justified wrath. He was leaving the restroom, heading back to his cabin, you know, because men are always get finished quicker than the women do. And he hears. they don't wash their hands. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> I think. That's a generalization. <laughs> I'll be fair, sorry but. to yeah right sorry to every every male sorry, who does wash your hands but yeah so or wash them very quickly or thoroughly <laughs> yeah. yeah so anyway he's coming out and he hears screaming for help coming from the women's bathroom so he goes back into the women's bathroom and opens up the door and he tells rangers you know uh he be- I believe he asks if anyone needs help I mean does anybody need help in there? Um, but Because, I mean, you're really not sure. Again, nobody's expecting this. And you're not sure what you're going into. Uh, and, and it's Well, probably- and I think there's this perception that there's no crime in parks. Right. So and, you know, this for is all an out-of-the-blue random attack. Exactly. And for all he knew, someone could have been in there giving birth. Because I've seen that on <laughs> Oprah. Sometimes that just happens. And- you, only a cop would think that that's like a logical explanation for screaming is that somebody's giving birth. Well, if, if you're hesitating uh, <laughs> to go into the women's bathroom, you might think that could be something going on if you're hearing screaming. But we're talking, <laughs> you know, we're talking nanoseconds. 
the once inside. WL. <laughs> Obviously, it took a moment to orient. <laughs> right. You know, it could have been nanoseconds, but, you know, thinking back, you know, going in slow motion, it probably did seem like he was hesitating. But yeah. he could. Well, and nobody thinks there's crime in parks, right? So they they come to the parks thinking that they're in this super safe place. Right. So nobody expects to be attacked in a bathroom. And then their guard is even lower when they're in a place where they think they're safe. Well, this is a time of night that people are going to the restroom too. Like people that live in the cabins or staying in the cabins, this is when they're going to the bathroom. So what what a crazy thing to think that somebody would be in there getting ready to attack you. Yeah. So, So he could see W.L., uh, could see a pair of legs sticking out from under the stall. And he goes over to the stall door and opens it and sees this man with long bleach blonde hair assaulting his girlfriend. Can you imagine? So now, no. Coom- now Coombs starts to strike WL and then the fight is on. WL's giving it to Coombs as hard as he can. And Coombs literally bites him on the chest and on the forearm. And I don't know if you... You probably wouldn't have, but I've seen the evidence photos and these were not love bites. I mean, they made Ted Bundy <laughs> bites. No. Yeah. They made Ted Bundy bite marks look like a child's. And I don't know if you're <laughs> familiar with Ted I don't Bundy. think I've seen those either. <laughs> I'm going to show off my knowledge of serial killers, but Ted Bundy bit one of his victims. And that was one of the first times in court that they were able to enter into evidence uh, and the marks showing that it was a match because he had very distinctive shaped teeth. So fun fact, uh, serial killer uh, education for today. But (laughs) this was a serious bodily injury to WL. Also, during this fight for their lives, so Coombs deployed bear spray. And remember, the air was heavy with bear spray when rangers arrived. But WL knocked that bear spray out of the hands of Coombs during the fight. So there's that bear spray rolling around on the floor. And that, that bumps that up to a felony right there. Well, that's being used as, an, as a weapon, you know, just a little aside here about bear spray. And that's intended, the purposes of bear spray is to deter an aggressive or charging bear. And it's very effective at deterring an aggressive or charging bear. And it should be carried anytime you are hiking, hunting, or recreating in bear country. Don't forget that. But also the inflammatory properties of the bear spray will affect humans the same way it does bears. So a person contaminated with bear spray, it'll cause the mucous membranes of the eyes and nose uh, and lungs to swell and be irritated. And the contents are under pressure. And I didn't know this. The spray comes out at more than 70 miles an hour. Did you know that? Nope, I did not. No, that's hard and fast. And that could cause permanent eye damage. And, And so in this case, like you're saying, it was definitely intended to be used as a weapon. So if you're anywhere near bear spray that's been deployed, you're going to cough, have some trouble breathing, and it burns like crazy on the skin and eyes. And I'm just going to say, ask my youngest son who got a hold of bear spray at three years old, and then again around eight years old, and we're still touching our eyes and crying every time we've moved (laughs) some of his old toys. But you know, because and that happened because I'm mother of the year. (laughs) How did your little kid get a hold of bear spray? Well, I'm mother of the year. If you live in an area with bears, you probably have a lot of cans all over the place. All over the place. But I I could do a whole podcast on why I'm mother of the year. (laughs) Not. Um, (laughs) All right. So (laughs) now that he's an adult and he can't get taken away. (laughs) They can't take him away from me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. So knock yourself out. 
So MC had left the bathroom and called 911. She was also you know, hollering for help. And there was a small group of people outside, but no one would rise up and go in and help, except for another bad ASS. And I'm going to use his initials, KD. He get, <laughs> I spell my cuss words. Uh, I can't help it. I think it makes more of an emphasis, don't you? Um, <laughs> in a way, it, sure. <laughs> right. So KD, this it, guy it KD. takes the punch out of it. Do you think? I don't know. I can't. I can't <laughs> not spell my cuss words. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, this new guy enters the bathroom and helps WL to subdue Coombs on the floor and then wait for law enforcement to arrive. <laughs> so they got this guy on the ground and they've got him subdued. Now, it just so happens that both WL and KD were highly trained in combat with military. So too bad for Coombs. And he just <laughs> he just made a, a critical mistake. WL, the boyfriend, was truly a hero in this nightmare incident. MC told Rangers that she really thought she was going to die until he came in. And she, she probably was going to suffer some incredible injuries had he not come in. Yeah. So the actual first law enforcement officer to arrive was a Ranger with initials. We'll refer to her as Ranger TW. And she didn't hesitate to go into the bathroom to the chaos of three males who had appeared that two of them had someone held on the ground. And the room was thick with bear spray. So I got to say, when you're running into something like that, it's not always obvious who is the bad guy and who are the good guys. But she she gets the right guy cuffed and has him outside. <laughs> and yet, yeah, she managed to do that. Uh, I mean, can, can you imagine the chaotic scene? Like there's bathrooms. They're not big. And these two guys are on the floor with a guy a guy holding him down. And, you, you know, you do you really know who the bad guy is. But it probably... Um, I'm sure it was obvious in that case too, but she got him cuffed. Uh, and that's when the other responders um, were called to get there. Coombs was apparently somewhat deaf or hard of hearing and he wore hearing aids. So he lost his hearing aids in the fight hmm, and couldn't really respond hmm. to any questions after he was in custody until his hearing aids were found uh, and retrieved and, and they got him back to him. That may have been a defense. I don't know. I, lost my hearing aids. Therefore I had to start punching someone in the stall, but due to the nature of the incident. <laughs> okay. That's, that'd be a new defense. That's a new defense. I lost my hearing aids and it made me mad. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he lost him in the fight due to the nature of the incident. The ranger requested emergency medical services. So many parks have their own ambulance companies and most rangers are at least EMTs. So that's who's coming which are other rangers who are EMTs, probably some others in the headquarters there. There were other EMTs that weren't also law enforcement rangers. But this is another hat rangers have to wear. And not only did EMS have their, have to respond to assess and treat the injuries of the victims of the crime, but they also had to decontaminate the scene, including everybody involved in the bathroom. And that included MC and WL, and then the other civilian hero who rushed to help and the ranger who cuffed Coombs and Coombs himself. And you know what he told me? Yeah, the- that's intense. <laughs> it's a lot of people to deal with. That's a lot of people to decontaminate. I'm trying to picture on scene. Uh, you're going to need water and copious amounts of water. And I don't know what they used. Um, tons and tons of sailing bags from the ambulance or did they get a hose pipe? I guess I didn't find the answer to that. <laughs> Um, and spray, spray Coombs. Oops, sorry. 
uh, with fire hose. <laughs> this is the only <laughs> hose we have. Well, yeah, I'm sure he didn't get the same level of sympathy as other people. No. Well, I'm sure he was treated with the yes, same I'm level sure of was. care. Yeah. And you yes. know what he told the Rangers? Um, his defense at the time or a statement that he made, he said he accidentally went into the wrong bathroom. Oops. Oh, oh, well, Oops. I don't know what that, what kind of excuse that was. Um, I, I think he meant, don't either. I think he meant he accidentally went to the bathroom and some dude attacked him is probably what he meant. Also, here's a, here's another fun fact. So I'm loving fun facts. And I don't know if you had heard this, but Coombs was also affiliated with an outlaw motorcycle gang. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm not going to say which one, although he was traveling. So alone. is there some speculation that, so did this have something to do with his reason for being in there? Is there any evidence of that? Or is I'm that not sure. I'm not sure. Cause he was traveling alone and I looked up his Facebook okay. page, by the way, uh, you can go look up Jackson <laughs> Coombs on Facebook because he's still got a bunch of uh, pictures posted and it shows him. Uh, in Yellowstone, pictures of him and pictures of Yellowstone, pictures of him on a motorcycle. But I don't know if it's, um, I have to friend him, which I don't think that's an option now, but anyway, to get more pictures. But anyway, uh, but it's unclear. Yeah, it's unclear exactly what his role was in the motorcycle club, such, I guess, you know, people have different roles if friend of the club you can ride or a hanger around or hang arounder, hanger around or prospect which a prospect is somebody who's on their way to becoming a full patch member. But that's, that's a whole nother episode too, to talk about how outlaw motorcycle clubs work, <laughs> you know, with their chain of command and their members and their property, etc. But word on the street, and this was a rumor that was that Coombs had been dismissed from whatever his status or affiliation was. And I'm not going to comment anymore on uh, any more details of that rumor, but uh, just just a quick aside, when I was at Fletzy, which is a federal law enforcement training center, which all federal law enforcement officers go for their basic training, except for FBI, we were all trying to come up with a class t-shirt. And a couple of us thought it would be cute or funny to design a t-shirt <laughs> off of a outlaw motorcycle gang's colors and insignia, which basically is their logo, I guess you would call it. So an artist in our class drew this skull and crossbones with a ranger flat hat and the wording Hell's Rangers. But <laughs> after Fletzy, I think we all realized we could not wear that shirt anywhere or we would get our butts <laughs> kicked uh, if we were in the wrong place and the wrong people saw it. So we we didn't think that idea through. But I still I <laughs> still have that. I, well, I still have that shirt and you saw me wear it one time, but not in public. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you remember that. And, I don't, but I'm yeah. sure I'll get a chance to see it. Yeah, I'll show you pictures. And, and another interesting thing about Coombs, during this assault, he was wearing these big fat rings. And I thought that mm. he had, yeah, when I had heard this back when, when this had first gone on, I thought they said brass rings, that he had on brass rings. But they were actually these separate big honking embossed rings, I think like three of them which are definitely going to cause more damage to somebody when you're punching somebody in the face and in the head. Mm -hmm. Now Coombs has been hooked up and he gets transported somewhere. So yeah, he's in custody of Rangers, but it sounds like they took him to the hospital mm -hmm. instead of straight to jail. Um, and a doctor evaluated him. This came up in later court documents where he admitted to being drunk. Um, but he also said that he used uh, oxycodone and Adderall. 
and he said he took the Adderall for ADHD. But that combination is really common to use a downer and an upper together. It's kind of a speedball combination. Hmm. And uh, Adderall is actually, basically, it's an amphetamine. So you mix those two together. And it, funny thing, it doesn't bring you back to normal. Um, but those two, that combination isn't really known as a hallucinogenic combination of drugs. I think he was just trying to make excuse for his behavior. Although yeah, I wouldn't doubt that he was a mess. Right. Well, trying but, uh, to have your def- defense being that drugs and alcohol made you do it. I mean, you and every other criminal buddy. Yeah. Well, and the doctor was like, this guy's actually, and I'll quote it, quite awake and alert for having these sedating medications. And Coombs denied having a loss of consciousness. So some of his excuses for what he did, you know, kind of are disproved based on this medical evidence. Well, why did he go to the hospital? I'm sure he had the crap beat out of him. Yeah, that's but also he covered in bear spray, and but I I don't see any specific list of injuries. But he tried to argue later that this was just a big accident, and he ended up in the wrong bathroom, and so he was checked out at the hospital. And I mean that's something that law enforcement are going to do when somebody has an injury, even though they're in their custody and they committed a crime, they're still obligated to have them checked out at the hospital for any injuries. Some people are straight to jail, and some people are hospital then jail. So this guy was hospital in jail. Yeah. And yes. I don't, didn't sound like he suffered any actual injuries which needed treated, I don't believe. I don't, I haven't seen anything. Well, Coombs took a plea deal on April 24th, 2019. Coombs was sentenced to 78 months, which makes me do math. So I think that's um, I know. Six, and a, six and a half years. Can you not just say it's six and a half years? <laughs> okay. Federal, here's one no. of my rants. <clears throat> I just have to okay. say this. We're on the topic. If your baby is older than 18 months, right. you just have to start saying they're a year and a half old. Like, right. Don't tell me they're 23 months old. Just say they're almost two. Right. So that's like this this thing here, 78 months. Just say how many years and months he got. Yeah, six and a half years approximately. I don't really care about those other specifics. But so he went to federal yeah. prison for one count of aggravated assault with a dangerous weapon and one count of simple assault. And he is going to have to be on supervised release for three years. And he was also ordered to pay $2,199 in restitution. So he took the plea deal, but then he was upset with the sentencing decision because he thought he should have gotten less time. And he tried to argue with the court that there wasn't minimal planning for this attack. So when the court's looking at sentencing, they have these guidelines and there's enhancements. So if you planned the attack more than kind of the smallest, most base level for just a straight up attack then that's an enhancement you can get. And him covering his face with toilet paper, and I would argue lying in wait, uh, showed that he planned the attack more than the minimum planning you would need to attack somebody, which is a pretty low level. And he was trying to argue that trying to cover his identity didn't count and that he was basically too impaired to have any kind of planning ability. And that got shut down. Okay. So did he get the enhanced? He got the uh, enhanced sentencing. Enhanced. Okay. Yeah. And he okay, tried to argue he shouldn't have. Right. That didn't seem clear to me when I was kind of reading through that, if he actually got it or didn't get it. I know he was arguing against it, but well, very good. Yeah. No, I think the sentencing was upheld. Good. Well, so now we have. Yeah, which is good. Yeah. We have a few victims of this crime, both. WL and MC were the victims that definitely incurred harm. Wait, can I also say one thing? Yeah. Um, When you decide to use a bunch of drugs and alcohol, 
it's like DUI. Your intent is when you took the drugs or the alcohol before you drove. And you can't argue that there's no intent because you were impaired. And the same thing applies to an assault like this. You don't get to just say you're not, there's no intent because you're impaired by drugs and alcohol. I don't think the court looks at that as a form of an excuse for him to even argue that it's just not taking responsibility. But anyway, let's talk about the victims. Okay. All right. So we have a a few victims of crime in both WL and MC were the victims that definitely incurred harm, the physical harm and emotional harm. So they were physically injured, uh, including the head and the facial injuries the bite marks and other lacerations. And I know that these victims went to, there's a little clinic in the mammoth area and, and kind of got checked out there, but there's not much they can do at that clinic. Um, but they, they decided to end their trip early and went home where they got checked out more thoroughly. Yellowstone's in special maritime and territorial jurisdiction or exclusive jurisdiction. They're considered federal victims of crimes and are entitled to rights and services under Victims Rights and Restitution Act from the time of the crime and rights uh, under Crime Victims Rights Act after federal charges were filed. So I think it's important for people to understand that every victim of crime that occurs in the U.S. has rights as victims. And if not from a federal crime, you know, every single state has its own crime victims bill of rights, just, just so folks are understanding. So I think it's really important to point out too, because when you read through the constitution, there's a lot of suspect rights, Mm -hmm. but there's not victim rights and creating victim rights, compensation and avenues for victims to have a voice has kind of been a reaction to that lack of representation in the legal system. Right. So now it's important. That's why I want to make sure people understand that if you ever are a victim of a crime, that you do have rights. In a lot of jurisdictions, a lot of maybe small communities, a lot of uh, rural areas, there's a lot of places that um, they don't necessarily afford victims their rights by law uh, like they should. And so I just want everybody to understand that they do have rights. Um, and, and so some of the rights in this case um, which include referrals to financial remedies so that they could have applied for crime victims compensation, which would help cover like out-of-pocket expenses due to this crime, such as like medical costs. Like they probably incurred medical, probably incurred some dental costs. I don't know exactly what those costs were that they incurred, but they could have gotten um, out-of-pocket costs for that. And uh, they, they have a right to um, have counseling covered any out-of-pocket costs because I, I can't speak for for these two folks, but that would have been very traumatic for me. And I think most people could probably use some professional help processing that trauma. So they also might have been eligible for recovering some of their potential lost wages. And in their case, I don't know that that happened. But if that was applicable, you know, if you if you are assaulted and because of your injuries, you miss work the next day and, and you don't get sick leave and you lose your wages um, here's a situation where you might be able to recover some of your lost wages. So other rights that they had were the right to notice of the case and information and the right to attend any court proceeding, the right to confer with the prosecutor. So I'm going to bet that on this plea deal, the assistant U.S. attorney was in contact with these victims uh, to discuss what the plea deal was potentially going to be. And, you know, they don't have to do exactly what the victim wants or what the victim says, but they do have to talk to the victims, the prosecutor does. And um, they also have right to timely restitution. So restitution is uh, recovering of costs incurred to the victims because of this crime, but it, 
you can only get restitution if there's a conviction. And then that's part of sentencing. So being a victim of a violent crime injures people not only physically and emotionally, but financially as well. And the the victim rights, I think it's important to point out, you don't need a conviction. You don't even need somebody to go to trial to have access right. to that. Right. Thanks for pointing that out. If if this guy ran off and was never found, they still could have had rights to compensation where they could recover some of their out-of-pocket costs for their injuries, et cetera. Um, still notice about the information in the investigation as long as it doesn't uh, interfere with the investigation. But that, thank you for pointing that out. Well, most of the media reports that I read were that two men subdued the assailant. And something that I found, I ran across it, I think on Reddit or somewhere, was an entry from someone stating he was the male victim who was in the fight of his life, which would be WL. And I'm pretty sure this is who wrote this. But quote, for the record, the passerby didn't subdue the assailant. I did. The traveling companion, he puts in quotes, as he was referred to in the media a lot, the traveling companion. And the media gets things wrong all the time. I had already subdued him when my girlfriend asked someone to check on me. No one wanted to go in. Thankfully, another veteran, I'm a veteran, also came in and kept a watchful eye on Jackson Coombs so he couldn't claim something happened that didn't happen. And I know it doesn't seem like a big deal, but seeing media reports that are incorrect can still just pile on to the trauma that someone's having to absorb. And clearly it was important for him. I'm sure he's hearing all kinds of stuff and seeing all kinds of stuff written and it's very important that they get the story straight. And there are plenty of examples of news reports getting those the seemingly small details, but important to the person and to the investigation wrong. Right. I actually see this case as the real life boogeyman that, you know, as kids, we thought was hiding in the closet or under the bed. And when in fact, the lying in wait was here in the bathroom in a place that these victims, as you said earlier, thought they were in a place that was safe. When most attacks, most violent crime is committed by somebody, you know, you know, at least on some level, it's not very often that you have these stranger attacks. So that's actually a pretty rare form of crime. It is, especially in the national park. Uh, We're talking about (laughs) crime off the grid and crime does happen, uh, but it doesn't happen at a higher rate than anywhere else. Yeah. And I think most people who visit parks are safe. It doesn't mean the potential is not there. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't always be aware of your surroundings and how to protect yourself. Yeah. You know, there's even if you're in nature, there's still plenty of hazards, even if it's not people. Well, that's all for us this time. Thanks for joining us. Trails and watch out for the company you keep. And the bathrooms you walk in. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.
Now, Coombs has been hooked up and he gets transported somewhere. Now Coombs has been hooked up and he gets transported somewhere. <laughs>